Welcome to Bear Attack again. Yay! Woo! Part two, part two. Yeah, first time we've ever done a part two. I'm Panda Bear, I'm Sam Oceans. I'm Polar Bear. I'm Sam Montano. It is our first part two, isn't it? Yep. That's correct. Props to you, Lincoln Park. You did it. You killed us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you broke our panda bear. I did lie when I said it was going to be a long episode. We left off talking about Linkin Park's fourth album, A Thousand Sons. They have three more that we have to talk about, so I'm going to try and get through this one fairly quickly so that you don't have, like, three hours of content about Linkin Park to listen to, because I know the attention spans don't exist anymore, so... We, Unless you're, like, super into Linkin Park, then listen away. Yeah, for and sure. And if you are not super into Linkin Park, you should be super into Linkin Park. Yeah, have we sold it to you yet? Yeah, have we? Seriously, because if we haven't, we're not doing it justice, I guess. Living Things is their fifth album. It sold 223,000 copies in its first week. It was number one on the U.S. charts in its first week. Uh, wow. Other than that, I don't really have any notes on it. I feel like that's way more successful than I believe originally believed it would be mm-hmm. that's just the first week and in comparison meteora sold eight hundred thousand copies in his first week so meteora that's... and hybrid theory went crazy crazy stupid fine yeah crazy stupid fine girl you crazy you crazy stupid fine. so the track by track breakdown as we did in part one this one is for living things the first song is called lost in the echo Lost in the echoes with you. Dance. There's not the words to this song. It sounds like classic Lincoln Park, even though it's got like a kind of a dance vibe to it. And it still has like chuggy heavy guitars. You know what's funny? It's probably one of my favorite openers to any Lincoln Park album. Agreed. Yeah. Song number two is In My Remains, which Polybro is just listening to, actually. It's true. Well, yeah. It's a nice little anthem. Solid song. I'd give it three out of fives. Yeah, it's good. It's good. There's a lot of songs on this album that I can't really remember. (laughs) That's gonna happen. That's gonna happen a lot in the last three albums. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Song number three. Yeah. Song number three. One of the ones I do remember. Burn it down. Oh yeah. Probably the best song on the whole album. I call it mild salsa because it's just a little spicy, but. Not too spicy. Mild salsa. And I put a little girl <laughs> doing the salsa next to it in emoji form. Ole. Because my notes it's, are on my phone. That's <laughs> it's it, it's fire, but that? it's not fire fire. <laughs> fire fire. But not too much fire fire. Just a little. <laughs> yeah, it's a good song. Lies, greed, misery. This one hits me weird. I wrote Hard Rock Taylor Swift, but in my heart, I really knew that it was FM Static. It's an FM it's Static like, song. It's weirdly happy. Like Hard Rock Taylor Swift? Hard Rock Taylor Swift, for sure. And then we get to the iconic Chester Bennington ballad song that has on like every Linkin Park album, I'll Be Gone. No frills, modern rock, good stuff. Chester being Chester. Can't help it. Oh, Chester. Such a Chester thing to do. Classic Chester. (laughs) Ironic is what I put. At times like this, you pray, but a bomb blew the mosque up yesterday. Love that song. That's got nothing to do with anything that we're talking about right now, except it's Lincoln Park. That's right. Yeah, that's like two albums ago. (laughs) I'm linking it all together. Oh. Uh, Stupid. All right, hold on. I gotta go park. I'll be right back. <laughs> Next song on the album, Castle of Glass. Don't throw stones. It's got an interesting melody to it. I had a hard time predicting where it was gonna go. Is that something you like in the song, or would you rather feel the pop? Um. Or predict it. That's a really good question. Normally, if I like it to be unpredictable, except for when it's Lincoln Park, and then I find it just a little bit annoying. But on this song, I liked it a lot. Okay. And uh, this one showcases Mike Shinoda's actual like singing voice. It's not really oh, as rap. Yeah. It's, it's not really as rappy. He's got a good singing voice too. He does. He does. Kind of like T Pain. T Pain does have a good singing voice. I don't know what was with the whole auto tune thing. Spoiler alert, know. he won the mass Singer, so. He did. He won solidly, too. Yeah. 
I got the I got who he was on the last clue package because of the <laughs> boat. I still can't believe they can they never guessed Chris Daughtry. I was very irritated by them. You know I'm what? Like, how do you not? That, his more, voice is so distinct. More spoiler alerts. Chris Daughtry needs to quit doing singing competitions. He's just he's he's always the bridesmaid, never the bride. Yeah, and he should be the bride at some point because he had the best voice on that entire season, in my opinion. Agreed. So. I I think he deserved it over Wayne Brady, though I love Wayne Brady uh, too. So. I would take Chris Daughtry home. Take me home. Country road. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just... God. Okay, I'm going to prevent Polar Bear from victimizing my ears some more. Do Let's please. Babylon. <laughs> oh, stop. Please save us. We did our country thing already. We had that phase. West Virginia. Is it weird that I'm okay? I'd be okay with doing another one? Uh, but, uh, yeah. I, I guess. I got more country. <laughs> we can do more. Okay, let's talk about victimized. Though. Yeah. <laughs> this is like the one point where Chester, on this album, Chester gets to be a little bit harsh. Dude. His vocals. What a barn burner. Barn burner. Then, I like that. And then it segues nicely into the next song, which I always appreciate. I hope that something I do in my life earns me somebody saying that's a barn burner mm, me too i hope i do it that's happened to me already but it wasn't really an accomplishment it was more of oh my god why <laughs> um, in oh, victimized okay. i love the liberal use of bell in the intro mm. yeah that symbol sound is a bell it's like the bamboo sound on nobody's listening in a way mm, that's a good one Victimized slaps. Yeah, I no. agree. It showcases Chester gets to do something a bit different. So in Roads Untraveled, the like toy piano intro, I think is so whimsically fun. It's really cool. That's one thing I respect Linkin Park for, despite the fact that they get so much crap for their massive changes in sound. Like they do an amazing job with whatever they do. Like they're very creative. My one listening problem with it is it reminds me of an Angels and Airwaves song more than I remember this Linkin Park song. Mm. I love Angels and Airwaves, so I... Me too. I'll, it's funny you bring that up, because I'm going to bring that up in a, in a little while. What was that YouTube song on Minutes to Midnight? That's it's a, like the song... It's a Linkin Park song, but I always think of With or Without You whenever I hear it. I think with it was in... With or Without You... I think it was in Panda's Top 3, right? Uh, Shadow of the Day, Hands Held High, and Shadow of the Day. Yeah, yeah, that's we'll it. Yeah. Embrace the world in gray. Okay, Polar Bear, if you're going to keep singing this whole show, you need to turn down your game. Oh, I'm going to sing, <laughs> and I'm going to turn my game No. Up. No. <laughs> Actually, my gain in my recording is really, really good. It's literally just in your guys' ears that it's annoying. All right. Skin to bone. <laughs> meh. I said it's meh. Pretty cool beat. It's a song okay, well, on this album. Moving, that happens. Moving, moving right along. <laughs> I told you this last three is gonna be quick. I'm, I, I, I have very little feelings about these albums. Yeah, I'm. I'm mostly the same way. Except for the last album, that hit me in the feels real hard. Actually, the last two albums I have feelings about, but. Until I It really Breaks like... is very hip-hop. Like, aggressively hip-hop. Is that yeah. the one that starts, it goes a one, a two, yeah, that one? Yeah. yeah. It sounds so, like a Gorillaz song. Kind of um, does, actually. Yeah. Or maybe Gorillaz songs sound like it. I brought this up in our part one. I feel like a lot of their raps after the first two albums just don't feel right for Linkin Park. It's like we have these like songs with pretty deep lyrics and mature musicianship and all that, and then we get to these raps and it's like, oh, I'm the hardest in the streets, you know? Like, I'm the best rhymer, don't you feel me? And it's like the same beat every rap. 
And I don't know. I feel like he's fronting, man. I'm like, I'm not feeling you, dog. My opinion about this album is kind of that it's like show and tell. Like, this is what we've all been working on. Here we go. <laughs> Which is fine. I am all for embracing creativity, but it's got to be a... This is the problem I have with A Thousand Suns as well. It's, it doesn't feel like a cohesive piece. Exactly. Yeah. It's not. That's what I'm saying. It it's like, this is what Mike's been working on. Here's what Chester has to say. This is what the other people in the band say. Which is a great segue into the next song called Tinfoil because I've just met on this song. I'm just like, what? why is it here? I have a one-word note for it. Uh-huh. Pointless. Absolutely pointless. My uh, thoughts are the title sounds like it could be about drugs, but then it's not. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, However, the drugs come it, in tinfoil, as my movie experience tells me. Oh. It it does lead into one of my favorite songs on the album, Powerless. So. It's a sad song. It's, it is a sad song. Sometimes you but just need a sad, a sad jam, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like whenever I'm feeling down, I listen to Linkin Park, and I'm like, damn, they were really down. Oh, <laughs> I don't listen to Linkin Park when I'm down. I listen to Hotel Books. Hotel Books is gut-wrenching. I listen to the Amity Affliction. I'm still on my Amity Affliction boycott, so... I've really shifted hard into the Parkway Drive. Thank God, finally. Good <laughs> Lord, way better than Amity Affliction. Because <laughs> Parkway Drive says, We're Australian! We play metal! Yeah, and they really don't give a crap about anything else. <laughs> they, and then some of their Instagram posts say, We're surfing! Are you surfing? <laughs> No, I'm looking at Instagram. <laughs> Coronavirus looking sucks, at you. <laughs> right? Yeah, it does. Dude, can't get you in the middle of the ocean. That's basically what their oh. socials say. Right. Dude, if, in my head. If, you're, if you wipe out on your board and you have coronavirus, it'll get sucked right through your sinuses <laughs> and out your mouth. Ugh, gross. I saw a video online of a guy who was barefoot skiing. And then he let go of the rope and skied like across, skipped across the water on his butt. Oof. And then caught the ski rope again and then got back to his feet. What? And it was very impressive. But the first comment says he just got the world's worst enema and has the cleanest colon on earth. <laughs> <laughs> also, fun fact about water sports, usually they make Kevlar swim shorts. I did not. They should, so you don't give yourself an enema every time you freaking fall off or something. Well, I was talking to a guy who does drag boat racing, and his safety equipment includes a life vest that has a parachute built into it, and like straps to his legs, and Kevlar shorts to go over his swim trunks. Well, you got (laughs) fire protection, obviously. Well, no, because if drag boats, if the engine blows up, there's no seat belts, and there's no brakes or clutching. So if you stop having power, the bow dives and it catapults you out. So the parachute is so that you land feet first. And the shorts are so that the water doesn't go up your buns. Ah. What about your feet? Meh. You can live without feet. <laughs> <laughs> I, guess, I guess you can't get an enema through your feet, so... Not a big enough hole. I'd rather have an enema than have no feet. Like, yeah. Not if the enema kills you. Also, we've said the word enema too much. We need to move on. Burn it down. Lies, greed, misery, and victimized. But <laughs> lost in uh, the echo. Burn it down and castle of glass. So there you go. Did you have three, Palmer? Or you're just aggressively over it? No, no. I have a top three. Okay. Number three. Victimized. All right. My number two. Lost in the Echo. Alright. And my number one, Burn It Down. So the hunting party. Uh, <laughs> no. It's a, good, it's a good top three. We're good at this. We're good at our own podcast. Go us. We picked like the five songs on the album that are uh, good. <laughs> yeah. Keys to the Kingdom is the first song on the hunting party. That opening growl, it spoke to me. 
in the Nuggets. This is a light in the shining, mediocre army that is this album. So yeah, I was really surprised when I found out this was like a proper album. It's some of my favorite album art. I thought that it was just a bunch of weird stuff, and it is, and it's good. <laughs> I just like the, I just like the chorus harmonies, whatever you want to call them. I said, finally a good intro. It sounds kind of, <laughs> it sounds kind of metalcore-y, like when those metalcore bands go soft. It sounds a little bit like this. Yeah, I got very hard Crown the Empire vibes. When they want to be on the radio. Right. When they sell out, man. When they stop making <laughs> songs that have no clean singing in it. Or songs that don't have any growls. That I, oh, I'm like, you're no longer metalcore, you're just a pop punk band. I think every... like, I really like it when like bands like Fit for a King do a song without any growling on it. But only one per album. And no more. Please and thank you. <laughs> Please and thank you. I don't think it's as good of an intro as Lost in the Echo, but it's still good. Mm. Lost in the Echo just makes me think of Lost in the Static. Somebody should do a mashup. That's not a bad idea. I should attempt to do that. Would they work? I don't know. I, I don't think they I think. No, they're in different time signatures and everything, because Lost in the Static has some weird sequences. Yeah, Lost in the Sacks, a very different song. We're talking about the After the Burial song. And if you haven't seen After the Burial live, then... Yeah, I love After the Burial now that we've seen them live. Yeah. Gent! Forever! <laughs> you will not be gent disappointed. Life. It, it does gent. Speaking of a song that is totally not gent, all for nothing. I wrote, Rock is back does it... with a fist emoji. <laughs> Rock is back, fist emoji. That's about all I have to say about it. Which is ironic because the guest featured on this song is from the band Helmet, so. I really like the shout chorus. Mm. Yeah, okay. This, this song didn't stand out for me a whole lot other than it's, it's the second song. It feels like a building intro to the next song, which is Guilty All the Same. You're guilty all the same. I love the piano riffing in the song and I like the rap, I think. It's an interesting song. I feel like if there was a Linkin Park song that August Burns Red could cover, it would be this one. Hmm. Polar Bear, what are you doing? I don't know. <laughs> we're, we're trying you to podcast from... here, man. I'm podcasting with you guys. With a I guitar. Feel like, I feel like we need... Right. Are you... Are you? Do you just need to get a song out? No. <laughs> we're just so inspired by Linkin Park. I mean, we got time. What did you guys think of the summoning? A lot of meh going on here. I wrote pointless. Yeah. Not uh, not life changing. How about war? Doesn't stand up to the title. It's one of my highlights for the album. I wrote okay. in uh, in all caps. I wrote rock isn't dead. <laughs> this is a very rock and roll album for you, isn't it, Nate? I am so happy. <laughs> it is very punk rock, though. I'll give you that. Mhm. Just with the title like war, I expect it to be so much heavier. It didn't make it into my honorable mentions. This album didn't make my honorable mentions. Wastelands. First song I heard off this album, and it is the highlight for me. I wrote, New Metal is back, and it's bumping. I think Wasteland might be my favorite. Definitely top three for me. Dude, this is the song where you got that, like, you get that air guitar, you sling it low, and you just bang your head straight into the floor. <laughs> if you've ever seen Skrillex play guitar, this is how I air guitar to this song, is the way he plays guitar, just flopping all over the place. <laughs> it's one of the top five most listened to songs off this album on Spotify. I believe that. <sighs> it was like the first single. How do you also, know? I really like the funky like drum beat going on. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, it's a good one. Let's talk about Until It's Gone. It's a heavy vibe for me. I love it. It hits me. This one has a message behind it for sure. I can't not sing along to it. It does that classic Linkin Park where it like opens really strong and heavy and then mellows out for the verse. Yeah. I feel like that's their, like, their thing. Does that bother you or 
I kind of like it. It feels like everything's in its place. Like, they're like, this is the time for the words to do the thing. Mm. Mm. That's an interesting nice. way. Yeah, that's a that's a good way to put it. Like, the intro is our time to go heavy. And then when the words come in, we want people to know what he's saying. So we're going to support that. You know what? And then we're coming back in for the chorus. Now that you mentioned that, I've never had a problem understanding their lyrics like as far as like what they're actually saying i think chester enunciates very well chester is one of the best not only does he have great range and all that stuff like his enunciation of words he never misses any syllables you know no he doesn't it's crazy as much as i love Corey taylor uh singer from slipknot and stone sour like live sometimes it's just a little too much and he misses some things because of course nobody's perfect but in like a Slipknot type of environment, it isn't as obvious because there's so much going on. But like if Chester had sure. had issues with that, it might have been more noticeable. We're like met on the last four albums, but that doesn't mean we don't <laughs> like Linkin Park has all my respect ever. They're like one of my favorite bands. It's just the it, first three albums are so good. It makes everything else look bad. They set the bar so high that, yeah, everything that came after, it's kind of like there's good songs on every album. But, yeah, the albums as a whole just didn't gel for me after Meteora. So these featuring songs, do we know, does the featuring artists get, like, to sit in and write some of the music? Or do they write their music to accommodate the, the featuring artist? That is a great question for Linkin Park. Linkin Park seems like the kind of band that have an idea, but they allow the artist to have creative freedom over how it's executed. Agreed. Yeah, because Rebellion sounds like a System of a Down or Darren song. They're like, this is the song we're going to do with you. We're going to make it sound like a song you wrote. Well, or since... he was like, can we do this? Yeah, I imagine he kind of came into the studio with them and they probably had like the basic song down and he wrote his part and I don't know, maybe they, they massaged it all together or maybe they started from the ground up with him. But I mean, who, who knows? probably someone on the internet if you know let us know i was disappointed that's the one word i have for this song wow Wow. this is actually one of my top three songs this is one of my top three songs here's why okay it's a rock song i expect more like you know a system of a down new metal type of song but that is not what this song is i was disappointed i was like it sounds like one of darren's songs from when he went on his solo projects but you got to remember that Darren wasn't like his game is different than what like Surge brings to the table. It's not even the like lyrics that are the problem. If you listen to like Sweet Pea or like Prison Song or any of that, like the riff is ridiculous. Like, and I don't get that from this song. Yeah, I guess when when it comes to this song, what really hits me hard is the lyrics and the vocal work on it. I don't really care so much about the riffing or anything i just think it's a lincoln park song not a darren original or a system of a down song mm. and i think it's got the darren guitar work it's got the high pitch tone so and stuff like that i mean i'm not saying it's not a good song it's just not what i expected i guess Man, you gotta let go of your expectations and just see where the song takes you, man. I think that's the hard thing about Linkin Park is they set expectations so high so early in their career and everything. Like, I mean, we've said And now it, we're here. We've said it three times. Like, every Started album. at the top, now we're here. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> they, they, like, set the bar high and then they, like, became Nickelback. Like, everybody's like, Linkin Park's <laughs> the greatest. And then they put out a thousand suns and they're like, what is this Nickelback type garbage? <laughs> and I'm like, well, maybe. hey, Nick, Nickel, maybe. Nickelback doesn't deserve all that hate because Nickelback is not that terrible. No, uh, they really do. I not. think Nickelback's a solid band. And Lincoln Park is the same way. They don't deserve all the hate. Just let them be, do what they do. You know. You know what? I'm gonna take a stand. I listen to Nickelback. So does Deadpool. And if Deadpool listens to Nickelback, then it's cool. <laughs> Given, I think some Nickelback songs are super ridiculously cheesy and they're just there to be commercially successful. That's the problem I have with Nickelback. They're like manufactured. You just gotta look at their photographs. I mean, every time you see them, they'll make you laugh. Tag comment. (laughs) Goodbye.
Goodbye, I. Uh, Somebody this, save me okay, from this here, conversation. Here's the thing about Nickelback is I don't love Nickelback. I almost never listen to them, ever. But that doesn't mean that I feel the need to go tell everyone how much they suck. Because they really don't. It's like, if you don't no, like they're it... they're a solid just, band, actually. Just yeah. don't listen to it. Uh, also, please don't mark our graves because we're comparing Linkin Park to Nickelback. Please don't do that. <laughs> yeah, we definitely have X's on our chests. The next song, Mark the Graves. Nickelback uh, and Linkin Park are the same songs. <laughs> mark the Graves has some really cool spaces and rests in it that make the like guitars slap you in the face. Like They wind up and then they cock, you know, pow, and then cock back, pow. It's very mellow, and I think they try to bring it back up, and I just don't think it comes back up as hard as I think it could have. It starts pretty hard, and then it just progressively kind of plateaus. Drawbar, it's really pretty, but um, doesn't really stand out to me. Where's Tom Morello from? Remind Rage Against the Machine. Thank you. Really? Oh, is he the guitarist? Yeah. This is the same thing as a Darren Malakian song. I was disappointed. I was like, expecting like groove heavy, like at least mm-hmm. some kind of Rage Against the Machine homage, but it isn't there. I barely even noticed Tom Morello playing, to be honest with you. Yeah, that that is an odd choice to have. If I had if known they had the, yeah. that he was from Rage Against the Machine, I would have not been happy. If they had done, like, a Bulls on Parade-style song, like, because, you know, Lincoln Park can get political, have Mike Shinoda rap that whole thing. Like, that, it could have been so much better. That's kind of how Wastelands is a little bit. Yeah, that reminds me of a Rage song. Final Masquerade, how do we feel about this? Uh, Sugar, we're going down. Oh, interesting. I, I, I did get that a little bit, yeah. I, got, I definitely got a Fallout Boy, like, Panic at the Disco vibe. Oh, yeah. now I got Icy Panic at the Disco, for sure. It's kind of basic, but it's really pretty. It is very pretty. Yeah. Uh, the final song on The Hunting Party, A Line in the Sand. My note for this was, the Woven War version is better. That's uh, saying a lot. Nate, what's your top three? Keys to the Kingdom, number three. Number two, Rebellion, and Until It's Gone, number one. With Wasteland's fighting so hard to be in the top three position. I listened to this album so many times trying to pin down this top three. Then my top three is relevant. My number three, Wastelands. My number two, Keys of the Kingdom. And my number one is Rebellion. Nice. (laughs) I have two of those three. Nice. (laughs) My number three is Keys of the Kingdom. My number two is War. And my number one is Wastelands. Hey. So those are the four songs, five songs. You got to go check out them. Let's talk about the last album, One More Light, which I hate to say because this might be part of the reason that Chester did what he did because there's a ton of negative feedback for this album, which it's definitely their most pop-oriented album, which Mm -hmm. bothers me because I'm like, this is not Linkin Park. What is this? No. I mean, but it's good. Like, I I can respect it musically, but it's not Linkin Park. So I think that... In my opinion. I think I can put this out, like... I can actually sum up my my feelings. I cannot talk, you guys. Why am I on a podcast? (laughs) Talking's not that important. (laughs) It's all about how you look on podcasts. That's right. I I have a voice for TV. To put it succinctly, here's my view on One More Light. Linkin Park doesn't owe their fans anything. We didn't commission them to write the music we want to hear. They were putting it out, and we just happened to like it. And that's all, they did their job. At the same time, Linkin Park couldn't, they shouldn't have put out a Chainsmokers album and expected their fans to go along with it. Because they should have known no one was going to like it. However, when they did the tribute concert to Chester and they played these songs, it fit really well with the older material. So I, I think they might have been onto something. Unfortunately, it really yeah. does feel like kind of the end of an era. It's like, yep, this is where the Chester saga comes to its logical conclusion. Which I hate to say, but... I can't through, get through this album without getting emotional, because if you look at like the like track listing, and you're like, holy crap, 
This is like a total foreshadow. Well, it starts with a song called No One Can Save Me. I mean, this this whole discography is kind of a foreshadowing of <laughs> all this. But yeah, this is where it really comes to a head. So yeah, as Polar mentioned, the first song is called Nobody Can Save Me. This is one of my standouts for the album. It sets a tone. I really like Nobody Can Save Me as a song. I think it's lyrically solid and I like the vibe of it. I think these songs really lend themselves to the album art. I think they go together well. Mm, yeah, they really do. I said, when did this band become Marshmallow? <laughs> but also, it's a pretty great. It's pretty, I did write, it's pretty great though. It's a good song. Back to the whole album art, like, if you look at the album art, you're thinking you're getting into a pretty positive album, but there's a lot of uh, not so happy stuff here. Nope. Although the second song here, Good Goodbye, is a bit of a positive song, at least from my interpretation of it. Oh, that's not how I saw it at all. He called me an idiot in the song. I wrote, you idiot, you, you mad bro? And then I said, <laughs> but I do like Stormy's verse on it. I also like this song a lot. I really like this album, guys. I, I hate to be the, the bearer of bad bearing. You really like the Chainsmokers, so... <laughs> I mean, those two songs I know from them. I'm going to jump off that Chainsmokers train real quick and be like, this is a lot more like an Angels and Airwaves album. Yes. In my, mm. in my opinion... I told you I was going to come back to that. That's what this album is to me. I'm like, dang, when did they it's, collaborate with Tom DeLonge and make an Angels and Airwaves like record? It's like Angels and Airwaves in a different key. Mm. Yeah, when I heard it, I was like, I'm like, I'm getting moody, emotional vibes here. I'm like, the last time I felt this was when I was listening to the Angels and Airwaves song Surrender. So I'm like, oh, dang, mm. this is an Angels and Airwaves record. Mm. I think I would have liked it more if it had been under the title of Angels and Airwaves or some... I almost feel like if you're a heavy band and you're going to do something like this, you got to release it under a different band name or something. you got to do a side project. I'll get to that at the end of this album because there's we had some news that I mentioned on part one, but I'll reiterate that after we're done with this album. All right. The next song is called Talking to Myself. Dance Party. Yeah, it's got an upbeat happy vibe to it even though i don't think the subject matter is all that happy yeah if you're partying i don't think you but. care about what they're saying <laughs> which yeah. is some yeah. of some of my kind of my complaint with pop music sometimes sounds like nick jonas <laughs> it's got a very joe bro vibe <laughs> i would not skip it which I don't if mind, it came on the radio yeah i wouldn't change the station it makes me, it gives, like, if I'm having a hard day at work and that song comes on, I just, I honestly, like, if nobody's around, I'll just dance down the hallway. <laughs> Heck yeah. I have the same thing that happens with the next song as well, Battle Symphony. I think that this is the anthem on the album. Sounds like Colton Dixon. It's a uh, Christian radio hit. <laughs> I wouldn't change the station. I like the groove. I like the, like, snappy things that happen at the end of his sentences. I don't know, I think it's a bop. I would I would put this on a road trip playlist. Mm. Also, it feels a little bit optimistic, more optimistic than the rest of the album. Yeah, very much so. I mean, it's, it's a fight song for sure. Yeah. But this is, a, this is, this this is the, the anti I've given up song. Yeah. <laughs> Leading up to this, it's been very, like, getting lower and lower. Then we jump into this song, and then from here on out, it is down, friends. It does not go up from here. Yeah. No. Invisible. Sounds like Matthew West. I really like the lyrics, though. That's a good classic, like, road synth. I like that a lot. That one was just kind of meh. I do enjoy the next song, though. Oh, um, that's my number one. I'll tell you why. Uh Invisible kind of sounds like <laughs> every radio pop song. Yeah, I, I, I Speaking like Speaking of a lyrics, song that sounds but... like every radio pop song because it's exactly what it is, let's talk about Heavy. My all-time favorite Chainsmokers song. Agreed. <laughs> Ex- um, except for the zombie, because... uh, the zomboy remix of Don't Let Me Down. This one has a uh, good message. Mm-hmm. Like, not a positive message per se, but like 
in all seriousness, this you know, might be my number one on the album. Yeah. It's my number one. I really like Kiara's part. Yeah, this song had to grow on me because in the first like verse that Chester does at the beginning of the song, there's some weird time signature mm-hmm. that he does with his voice, and it just hit my it hit my ear weird, and it took me a while to like. Yeah, that's kind of interesting that he did that. I know what you mean. It it's it is a strange one. It's got a weird like half step pause in it, like mm-hmm. like he like the first or second line. Like he almost just just says screw the beat and just spits out the words. Almost. Yeah, it's like he had like a Tourette's moment and he had like he stuttered or something. <laughs> he like stops and then he's got to catch up before the next hit. <laughs> yeah. Heavy sounds like the song from the end of that Fast and Furious movie after Paul Walker died. Oh, see you again, uh, Wiz Khalifa and Charlie Puth. Yeah. Yes. Kind of oh like yeah, that. it really does. Dang. Yeah. Huh. Thank you. It's been bothering me for like a week and a half. <laughs> That makes me enjoy this song so much more because that, like, I get emotional every time I hear that song. Yeah, that song's pretty awesome. Remember the Buster. Yeah. R.I.P. Wow, we're talking about a lot of dead people now. Oh, man, this is just, I'm, I'm getting, oh, uh, This God. is a bummer. Uh, someone, anyway. Someone tell a joke. Waka yeah, waka. it is. Quaka <laughs> waka. <laughs> <laughs> this is Fair Attack and we have fun. Sorry, guys, I'm just really <laughs> jamming to my number three song for this album. Sorry for now. <laughs> Which is also my number three. <gasps> Nathaniel. Mm-hmm. I, I, I enjoy this. Halfway right? Oh, this song is a dud. Sounds like This song is an absolute dud. I wrote, sounds like a pop singer who does too many drugs. It reminds me of Lifehouse a bit. Because I'm halfway gone and I'm yeah, that song, yeah, yep. Yeah, I don't think this song sets itself apart from any other radio song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sonically, it doesn't sound like Juice World, but it kind of sounds like Juice World to me, where it's like, I'm gonna OD someday because I do too many drugs, and I know it's bad, but I'm sad, and I'm a sad boy. I can't ever do anything right, because I'm a sad boy, and I'm addicted to drugs and alcohol. Oh! It kind of sounds like Chester uh, said, hey, Mike, can I rap on this one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, Chester, you got to oh rap about God. how hard you are and how all the haters are stupid. What how haters? How do you feel, boys feel about One More Light? That's my number two. I heard this song right after Chester, the whole Chester thing happened. I legit, like, lost my... This is what men cry to. It's like when Kyle Pavone died from We Came as Romans, and I listened oh, to that song dude. a moment. Oh, dude. Oh, that God. one hit me hard. I was like, I was, I was dying. I, I got was the, dying. I got the news while I was mowing the lawn, and I had my headphones, and I listened to Promise Me off of Cold Like War. But yeah, One More Light was an emotional ride for me. Losing Kyle Pavone hit me honestly harder than Chester did. Just because I'd seen Kyle like, a, like literally like two or three months before. He died. Yeah, that and he didn't grow up like influenced by Lincoln Park, so it wasn't as big of a deal in there. But like for me, like like I said, at the dinner table, like my dad would be blasting Hybrid Theory and Meteora. Yeah. So a lot of my vocal prowess comes from listening to Chester and guys like Chester. So Yeah. I was lifeguarding when I got the news Chester died, and so I played in the end. How do you feel about this one, Polar Bear? It makes me so sad. <laughs> I, okay, we're we're all in agreement. This song is like very. It's 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 hard for me to listen to this one. Yeah, I have no more opinions about it than it makes me sad. It's not your number two. It is not. It is my uh, mention because bummer. I couldn't rank it below or above any other song. I just I love it. No, I didn't even put an honorable mention on it. I love this song, but it hurts too much to. Uh, one this more is... song on this album. This will be the final. This is the final Linkin Park song we'll be talking about. The song is called Sharp Edges. It's got a good lyrics. It's like an Americana song. It sounds like a good old folky jam. Yeah. It's, the, it's Linkin Park country songs. It's a good way to end the I album. I enjoyed that it was different. It doesn't yeah. leave you on like a huge down beat either. Like it's, the lyrics aren't super heavy. Which is nice. Considering yeah. the song yeah. right before it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 
I mean, I don't think that song right before it would be so bad if the whole Chester thing hadn't happened. I still think it'd be but pretty powerful. It would be, but it wouldn't be for the same reason. I, that's probably true. One More Light makes me feel more hopeful, but if you think about it as, like, Chester wrote it and then killed himself, it is a real... Ugh. In the words of uh, Eminem, that's a hard Vicodin to swallow. <laughs> so yeah, let's do top three for One More Light, boys. Well, right, Nate, you already laid them out, so laid them out again. Sorry for now, One More Light and Heavy. Just because Heavy's a little bit more fun, but I think One More Light's a better song. I literally do not have any of those. <laughs> All right, well, I'll, I'll give mine then, and Oceans, you can be the upset. My number three, Sorry for Now. My number two is Battle Symphony. And my number nice. one is Heavy. I feel like Oceans has Battle Symphony. I do, yeah. Yes. <laughs> my number three is Nobody Can Save Me. Mm-hmm. Mm. My number two is Talking to Myself. Mm. And mm. my number one is Battle Symphony. Now that we've come to the end of it, I don't... I don't hate this album. Like I said, my album rankings just changed the more that I thought about this. I don't know if I'm going to upset people with how I did this, but yeah. Just us talking about this album has pumped me up on it quite a bit. I don't know my album rankings as much as I know my top three. Yeah, my top three are just the only three that matter. So yeah, you guys want to get into your album rankings from worst to best? Worst to best, okay. My least favorite album of Linkin Park's is a thousand suns yeah agreed that's mine too (laughs) sorry sorry a thousand suns it has some fun ones on it but wow yeah just above that but barely and only because i have to rank them is living things oh wow that's low and then i think the hunting party all right okay i see that and then one more light okay I'm interested how we do the top three because I think mine are going to be in a different order than you guys. Minutes to Midnight, Meteora, Hybrid Theory. Okay, yeah. Mine's in a different order than yours. All right. Panda, are you going next or am I going next? Go ahead and go next because I might have to explain my reasoning a bit. All right. Thousand Suns. Come on, Nate. Join the party. I think I'll put Living... <sighs> nope. Nope, I'm gonna put one more light. I'm sorry, guys. Ooh, low. We got all feely talking about it, but I, when I put on music, I want to get pumped up, and Living Things is more conducive to that. So Living Things is the third from bottom. You guys are gonna hate me for this. You're so brave. If you say Minutes to Midnight, I'm gonna punch you. Minutes to Midnight, it, it's a downer for me. It puts me in a real deep hole, man. It makes me feel like Chester, Oof. and I don't want to feel like Chester. So... That's fair. Yeah, I, I do not like. <laughs> I'll let it go. Do not like that album. Not because it's a bad album, just I don't like the way it makes me feel. I mean, I get why you put the hunting party above it, but I don't think this justified. Sorry. I literally couldn't sleep for three days after listening to it because it it That's fair. it it effed me up so bad in the head. I figured it would. I was I was very scared for you having to listen to that album. I yeah. appreciate that from you, Oceans too. That it's nice to know that. My friends think about these things. It's a downer, man. It even puts me down, but I love it. But I'm like, yeah, if you were already depressed. Yeah. Yeah. So I was pretty surprised. The Hunting Party is my number three album. I freaking love it. All right. Baller. And then Hybrid Theory and then Meteora. Nice. Oh, interesting. Okay. All right. I like it. I'm so different in order than you guys. It's going to be hilarious. All right. My least favorite album is The Hunting Party. Oh, no. My baby. My beautiful baby. Wow. Didn't see that coming. It's just unmemorable for me. The only song that I actually have in any playlist is Wastelands. Ugh. I have A Thousand Suns above that. Wow. A Thousand Suns above The Hunting Party? I could understand if you're, if The Hunting wow. Party is your second least favorite. But putting a... Uh, uh, okay. Here's why. There's more songs on A Thousand Suns that I listen to on the daily than I do... I, like I said, I only listen to one song on The Hunting Party. Like... I mean, there's at least, there's like four or five on A Thousand Suns that I would listen to and not turn off, you know? As your friends, I'll let you have it. I listened to The Hunting Party three times today. (laughs) Nice. That's your taste, man. I can't argue with it. 
And I think a lot of people would argue that The Hunting Party is their, like you said, their third best album because it's just like the first two, which irritates me. I'm like, you didn't have to go back and do the same thing. Like, just because your fans were like, oh, you guys suck now. You're not doing the same thing you were before. Like, Well, I don't think any of their albums sound like The Hunting Party. I think it's its own animal. It's rooted in the same vein. Well, and all and that all rock is rooted in the same vein, sure. But the first two are very new metal, and the hunting party's like very modern, like pop punk. I'll agree with that hard. I guess. And then above a thousand suns, I have one more light. Okay. okay. Which I just moved. One more light was my least favorite until about ten minutes ago. Dang! Started nice. from the bottom and moved a whole three places up. I was just thinking about Battle Symphony and talking to myself. I'm like, if those come on, I'm jamming in the hallway. Like, I don't have anything on the hunting party that does that for me or A Thousand Suns, so. That's a good way to call it. Good way to quantify it. And then I have Living Things above One More Light. That's my number four. Meh. There's a lot on there that gets me going, too. So. Yeah, I feel like that album's shooting a little too high. Except for the hunting party being on the bottom, I'm actually liking this ranking quite a bit. And then I have Minutes to Midnight, because yeah. just sentimental value up, like, it's, it's a great album. As depressing and dark as it is. Yeah. Uh, Classic. Like, Sh- Shadow of the Day was my favorite song of all time for a long time. Wow, that's high honor. I think if we're talking objective, like, quality, I would definitely put that as their third best album. I don't know, the track, li- the track listing on it is so wonky. I keep saying the track listing. The arrangement of the tracks on it is so wonky. That kind of ruins it for me. So yeah, third best. Yeah. yeah. And to be boring, like everybody, uh, I have Hybrid Theory at number two and Meteora at number one. Nice. Although a lot of people would argue the Hybrid Theory is better. The reason I put Meteora above that is because... If you look at the later albums, they fit better with Meteora because they experimented a little bit more with like the more electronic stuff on Meteora, mm-hmm. and a bit more of the mood. Like the mood music shows up on Meteora, and the mood music doesn't really show up on Hybrid Theory. That's just there to be a new metal album because they were yeah. trying to prove, prove a point on that one. That's why I put it above it because I feel like there's just more variety on Meteora. I honestly just took a stab in the dark and said, "I'm gonna pick this one today." I mean, yeah, they're interchangeable, like, really, to be honest. They kind of are. But, yeah, so that is our artist spotlight for Linkin Park. I want to leave on something that one of Chester's friends, Brian Head Welch of Corn, said about his passing, because I think it's super interesting. It also kind of sums up how I feel about it. Before you do that, I'm going to shout out a new Grey Days album, which is just re- old recordings. That's Chester's pre-Linkin Park band. Check out his side project, Dead by Sunrise. That one is definitely mood music, but there's some good riffs on there. So check that one out, too. And Fort Minor and all that stuff that Shinoda and the other guys do. It's all good. Come away with three new bands to listen to from this episode. As you always should. Tell us what Head from Corn said. So Head said, Honestly, Chester's an old friend who we've hung out with many times, and I have friends who are extremely close to him, but this is truly pissing me off. How can these guys send this message to their kids and fans? I'm sick of this suicide. I've battled depression slash mental illness, and I'm trying to be sympathetic, but it's hard when you're pissed. Enough is enough. Giving up on your kids, fans, and life is the cowardly way out. I'm sorry, I know meds and alcohol may have been involved. I'm just uh, processing like all of us, and I know we're having some of the same thoughts and feelings. Lord, take Chester in your arms and please reunite him with his family and all of us one day. Be with his wife and kids with your grace in this difficult time. Wow, that was heavy, Nathaniel. It's heavy and it's angry, but I don't know, dude. I think it's one of the best things anyone said about, about the thing. Because... He left. I think it comes from a good place. He left like six kids behind, right? Yeah, something like that. Dude, that... An ex-wife and his current wife. And... I think the moral of the story is, Polar Bear says it every time we talk about this, but do not self-medicate. Yep. Yeah, and I'm not going to lie. We like put off this whole straight-edge image where we're like, we don't do anything. I'm like, no. I'll, I mean, I don't do drugs, obviously, but I, I do like a good drink here and there, so... I, like, it's not like we're totally straight-edge clean all the time. No. I'm not. But I, I wish I was straight-edge, but I'm not straight-edge. I don't brand myself. Yeah. I think podcasts, books, 
you need to be finding stuff that can help you through this kind of stuff because there's been a few days I can point back to a Friday in the fall of last year where if I hadn't gone and talked to my friend Shelp, who Polar Bear knows, and a beta, I would not be here with us right now. They couldn't meet up with me for lunch that day, and I said, you know what, guys, just I know you guys don't get to see your wives a whole lot, and just don't worry about it, and I was going to go home and kill myself. And they insisted, no, come over and talk to us. And they like forced me to go talk to my counselor, which is the next thing is counseling. I think everyone should do it before medication. If it doesn't work for you, maybe try a different counselor. And if you're vibing with your counselor and everything's good and it's not working for you, then medication. And don't quit counseling just because you're on meds, because the meds only cover up your symptoms. They don't get to the root of the problem. And I've had incredible success with that. Yeah, we are all the better for it. This is just a thing that's near and dear to my heart, and I just really wish that Chester was still here, because like I said, I think he is arguably the greatest vocalist of all time in any genre of music. He's definitely top five for me. Celine Dion. For me, for no, sure. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> hey, she, hey, hey, she's good, but she's definitely not. No. Hey, near, far, wherever you are. Who's your number one? Just off the, just curious. Off the top of my head, mm-hmm. Freddie Mercury for sure. Nobody can compete with Freddie, but just influential wise for me, I have a top five. <laughs> like technically wise, Freddie is the king. So. Everyone talks about how technical Freddie Mercury is. I don't feel like his stuff is that hard to sing. Oh, yeah, okay. You try hitting five octaves in one song and tell me it's not hard. <laughs> I don't know. It's hard. It's hard. Trust me. Are we talking about our personal tops or, like, commercially recognizes the top? Uh, personal. I would say personal because... Yeah, commercial. Um, personal. Personal, I think my number one and number two interchangeably is Chester or um, a band called Fair to Midland. Their singer's name is Darrow, and he is, I think he's a solid vocalist. I'm pretty sure you've showed me them before, but I can't remember. I mm-hmm. guarantee you I have. Okay. I'll give you my top five. They're just, these are just all people that influenced me in one way or another. So Freddie Mercury, obviously, just for his range and his ability to shift pitches and stuff. He, he was like the master at all that. And his social exploits. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Ch- Chester's probably number five, just because I have other things that influence me more. And then I'll have to say Tommy Shaw from Styx, because I have mm. a higher range. Oh, yeah. I'm technically a first tenor, and he's, I like, he's like the first voice I heard. So... It's I, I if we ever do a sticks like thing I can go word for word on almost every album so nice. I don't think we have time um, in the world to do a sticks podcast. No, there's too many freaking albums and I could talk for days. I think my honorable mention would be Winston McCall from Parkway Drive. Oh, um, dude! It's not my vocal style. I can't scream for the life of me, but. If I ever did try, I would base it off of him. I'm sure. I think what Winston does is naturally suited to him, though, and you can't force that. Chris Daughtry was a good influence on me. And then I have two guys that probably don't get enough credit. Sammy Hagar of uh, Van Halen fame. I think he's Sammy Hagar of bar fame. Well, yeah. I, I love <laughs> Sammy Hagar solo. He's been in all kinds of bands. If I ever had to do something gritty, I would, go, I would think back to how he does it. Like He's got some grit in his voice that I don't naturally have, but I can emulate some his. Grit. So if I ever had to do that, I would go out, base it off of him. Mm-hmm. Because growing up listening to Tommy Shaw is all about melodical like lines and stuff, so there's not a lot of grit to my voice. But if I had to do it, I would base it off of him and Winston, some kind of mix of that. I think that would be interesting. And then my other one is Brett Smith from Shinedown. Hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, I haven't given this any thought except for just right now. So number one for me would be Chester Bennington. Nice. For all the reasons that okay. we've mentioned over the last six hours that we've been doing this. Trevor McNevin. Because the guy can literally do no wrong. He raps incredible. He's a, he's a killer songwriter. He's a killer producer. He's a killer singer. If you don't know who he is, he's the singer for Thousand Foot Crutch. Thousand Foot Crutch, FM Static, and I Am The Storm. I Am The Storm stuff is hard to find, but it's like an EDM rap thing. Oh, crap, I forgot one. I can't believe I forgot him. Oh, that's irritating. Who? Howard Jones from Killswitch Engage. Oh, 
Howard. Okay, Jones. so so uh, for my third, Jesse Leach from. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> hey, I would respect that. I would respect that. Yeah, I respect Howard. I mean, dude, we need more black guys in metal. That's agreed. And Howard would be welcome no matter what the color of his skin was. But it's also cool that he's black, just because it makes him stand out even more than his amazing voice does. And he's got an incredible voice. You guys haven't seen him live yet, I don't think. But no, I haven't. Oh, man, he's just so powerful. We were supposed to, dang it! <laughs> it will happen eventually. We still have the tickets. We're just... I will have to call off from work, I mean, I'm sure. So My number three, Jake Lurs, August Burns Red. Number four, the next two are going to be weird ones that I don't think anyone saw coming. Maybe not, but Skrillex. He just sings balls to the walls and he's destroyed his voice doing it and his stuff is super fun to sing but it is hard to sing just because he just belts it and he's not singing the stuff he's singing is not proper and should not be done by the human voice and his voice proves it because it died (laughs) um (laughs) and i love it can i guess your number five you can but you'll never get it it's not nf no it's not Oh, NF could is... make a career as a singer. He would never have to rap a single line and he would be successful because his singing voice is impeccable. Nope, it's Garrett Russell of Silent Planet. I don't really like Silent wow. Planet. What the? Whoa, that's weird. Oh, wow. I don't really like Silent Planet, but I like Garrett's voice and how unhinged and cracky and just kind of nasty it is. And also, he's he started his band when he was 26, so I still got a year on me. And he's a therapist, and he's bipolar, and I think he's one of the wow. coolest people on the planet. Yeah, that's a lot going on in one person. I've seen them twice, and the second time he was giving people like free therapy at their merch table. My top five for people I've seen live is different than my influential list, so I will research mm. that some more, and I will give that to you on the next music episode, because it's a different list. Who wants to start with the What Am I Loving? Boys, I'm loving that I've been sleeping through the night for the last, like, week solid. Um, jealous. Good. So jealous. Oh, you should be. Me too. Absolutely. Me too. I'm so tired. I normally sleep great, but the last... <laughs> Ever since I listened to freaking Minutes to Midnight <laughs> a week ago. <laughs> did you Did you real dirty? Yeah. Now, uh, now I it's, apologize. Now it's gone into other things. It's not. It has nothing to do with that anymore, but now it's just... Honestly, last night, after we finished the thing, I was just so excited about stuff we have coming up in the podcast, I couldn't sleep. I just kept working on it. So Nice. Lots of stuff coming up that we can't officially tell you yet, but we're, we have had a lot of stuff going on. So be hyped. Follow us on socials. I think I'm just loving our frantic work that we're doing on this thing now, and it's kind of, I'm, I'm seeing things where this could blow up in the future, maybe. Hopefully, in a good way. Oh, I hope so. It's funny because I'm loving the same thing. I'm loving the same thing. Now I feel like not a team player. What are you loving, Polar Bear? Sleeping. You should go get some. Oh, (laughs) nice. Well, guys. (laughs) I just woke up. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) You mind if I leave us on a joke? Do it. This episode needs a joke. There's this, like, accountant who works in an office. Like, several accountants I know. This elderly gentleman comes into the office, followed by a younger gentleman. And uh, the elderly gentleman goes up and he's making small talk with the guy. And he's like, yep, I'm the best gambler uh, this side of Mississippi. And the office guy goes, being something of a gambling man himself, says, is that so? And he's like, yep. Boy, I bet you $1,000 I could stand on your desk here and pee through the window of that office into the trash can over there without hitting your secretary. And the guy's like, what? There's no way this old guy can do that. And also, like, he's just feeling it kind of peeved with the guy now. So he's like, he's not going to back down. So he says, challenge accepted. Why not make it like a 2000 or whatever? And the guy said, He's like, deal. They shake hands on it. The younger man who came in with the older man, he's, he's watching pretty intently. The older man gets up on the desk, drops his trousers, and just hoses the guy's desk. Doesn't, get, doesn't even get a full 12 inches. And the <laughs> other guy jumps up, pumping his fists. I won! 
And the younger man goes, no! And uh, the accountant says, dude, what's wrong? And he goes, on our way in here, he bet me $10,000 that he could peel over your desk and you would be happy about it. Bear attack! <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah, follow, follow. <laughs> we're on the gram, we're on the YouTube, we're on the Facebook. Find us. We've got a lot of stuff coming up in the canon as well, so be on Look the lookout. For the More videos. If you want to find yep. us on, on YouTube, make sure that you put the channel filter on when you search Bear Attack Podcast, because otherwise you will be seeing a lot of Joe Rogan talking about Bear Attacks. <laughs> Which I am fine with. <laughs> I'm, I, I mean, it doesn't help us out in any way, so I'm not okay with it, but also maybe check out Joe Rogan right. while you're at it. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, this has been Bear Attack. I'm Panda Bear. I'm Polar Bear. I'm Blitzbow. Bye! I hate to derail us again, but you burnt a bar? Or what? What was? What's no, the story? So the, no, so I was in a vehicle with my dad. And the barn burned down while you were in the vehicle? No, I know no, where, no. You know, you know where, I know where yep. this is going. Yep, yep, yep. okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Panda Gross. Bear and Blitz Bear have been in lots of vehicles together. And Gross. one of us always gasses the other one out. <laughs> Y'all gross. A lot of people call it crop <laughs> dusting, but my dad said one day that it, that was a barn burner and he, I needed to jump out of the vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> what are you dusting them crops with, boy, napalm? <laughs> <laughs>